Welcome to Transformers, the podcast about how business people and policymakers are creating a sustainable future. I'm your host, Kai Embren. According to the UN, the global population is projected to reach 9 billion in 2050. Food production is one of the leading causes of climate change and creates between 25 to 30 percent of global greenhouse gas emissions every year. How can we feed the planet without costing the Earth? In a series of six episodes sponsored by Tetrapack, we will attempting to answer this question. Tetrapack is a world-leading food processing and packaging solutions company with a mission to accelerate decarbonization and transform the world's food systems. In the six programs, we will talk to different stakeholders and explore how they are working to eliminate hunger and reduce the impacts of the food systems on the climate. Our program today is about food systems and entrepreneurship. In order to feed the world, we must change what we eat and how we produce our food. Technology and innovation are the main drivers to transform food systems. My guests today are two entrepreneurs who are working to change the landscape of food production from a lab. Temi Mayron is the CTO of Fresh Start, a food incubator helping startups develop and reach markets. And John Rathauser is the CEO of Augmented Reality, one of the companies currently incubated in Fresh Start. He has developed clean, vegan, non-GM and environmentally friendly protein functionality that he claims can feed the world. Tetrapack and Augmented Reality are working together to identify opportunities around food science and product packaging. Welcome, Tammy and you. Tammy, can you tell us what Fresh Start Incubator is about? So Fresh Start is actually uh, an early stage investment body. We are, uh, and our mission is to, first is to, to uh, promote ecosystem uh, economically and also to bring the, the global industry, breaking through technologies to address all the burning issues of uh, our industry and all the transformations that we are going through and so on. Fresh Start began operating in 2020. In these three years, they have screened nearly 600 applications, and 11 of these are currently in the incubator system. How long time will it take you to go through this incubation process? Typically, it takes between four to six months period from the minute that we meet the entrepreneurs until we initiate the company at the incubator. We will have to go through transformations in the way we source our raw materials and in the way we process our final products in order to make it more sustainable, in order to make it uh, more efficient, of course, affordable, tasty, nutritional, and at the end, it's a food product. It also has to be tasty, at least as the original uh, product. So um, we have some promising new technologies that are being adopted from the biotech industry as cultivated meat, as uh, precision fermentation, as John mentioned, or molecular farming uh, relating to 
next generation of uh, plants that could actually produce ingredients as we ask them to. We have some promising technologies and they are all being uh, developed uh, worldwide. And uh, I think at the end, and, and today there is an, an understanding that it will take more than we thought at the beginning. If uh, I think in 2015, 2017, there were several companies worldwide dealing with cultivated meat or precision fermentation. Today we have hundreds of them. And we realize that uh, there is a huger gap that we will have to overcome in terms of uh, of uh, cost reduction or price parity, in terms of uh, scaling up abilities. Because if we are talking about the biotech or life science industry that those technologies are arriving from, there you scale up to, to thousands or ten thousands of liters per batch and in the food industry you're talking about much bigger batches it means you have to use a lot of water at once a lot of medium to grow those uh, cells or microorganisms uh, and you have to to be able to treat them and to recycle them and to do it more efficiently uh, so uh, there are a lot of gaps and at the end after you did all that you have to, to somehow be able to process it into a tasty final product with the same texture, with the same or even improved nutritional values. And uh, there are gaps uh, to overcome. And, and also another issue is the perception of the, of the customers. If you look at uh, the people who are going to eat this and drink or whatever, many people are skeptical to eat artificially grown foods or if they are good enough for their health. Uh, how, how do you handle this type of skepticism? Skepticism uh, happens all the time uh, when uh, new technologies are arriving, in my own opinion. First of all, I have to say, what is my own belief, okay? And uh, I strongly uh, connect with nature. I strongly also believe that we will also have, we will also keep the, the, the traditional agriculture in place, but we will have to do it in a more sustainable way. Also uh, create new technologies to, to make it more efficient and more sustainable. And there are ways uh, to do that and, and startups and companies that are working on this arena as well. But it's, it's a matter of time that everybody would understand. And you know, today you can also in Europe, you can feel the extreme weather and it happens more times. And, and, and it, it, if we will fast forward 10, 15, 20 years from today, the agriculture will not look the same. Because when there is a bad weather, the, the outcome of the agriculture or the plants is not the same. Also the animals, uh, the heat actually affects them. The, the, the composition of, of the, the agricultural uh, product and, uh, and the yields, of course. So we have to figure out how to do it better. So if we are going, and we are, 
going to find also solutions in new technologies that are capable of uh, producing our ingredients and food ingredients and, and food products in a closed system that are controlled and, and has nothing to do with the weather or the climate, we will be safe in terms of uh, food security. And we will also be able to do it also on the local level. Uh, during COVID, it was very interesting uh, time because the food industry is global. A lot of transportation from one country to another. And on one day, it was shut down and you couldn't transfer actually freely uh, uh, food from one country to another. One country that, that actually realized it uh, very early is, was Singapore because they don't uh, have agriculture and they don't have food industry and they rely on on uh, external uh, producers so and and it isn't anticipated that in the future we will have different kinds of covid periods so it's it's now uh, clear from uh, from a practical uh, point of view that every country and every region should be able to produce his own ingredients, his own products, food products. Those new technologies will allow us to do that. So it's it's a kind of uh, process and it will take time, 5, 10, 15 years from today. But So you think that technology can solve the current food system crisis? I'm sure it will. It will take some time because we are in a process of development. There was a research in 2021, uh, consumer uh, uh, research, uh, where the, the outcome was that 40% are willing to experience those new technology, outcome of those new technologies, the food that will be uh, produced in those new technologies. Uh, I think that the question there was uh, cultivated meat. 40% say that they will think about it, but they are pos positive. And 20% of the people said they will never do that. But you know what? The, the new generations are, are even more aware to the ethical uh, issues that are related to the way we grow uh, the animals that we eat. So there will be early ad adapters and uh, I count on them that they will uh, assist with the transformation. And, and it is also anticipated that within 25, 30 years from today, people will not understand how we used to eat those animals. So stay tuned, it will happen. Do you have any examples of new foods developed in your incubator that have made it to the supermarket shelves? So we are relatively new incubator. Uh, so our first company, Bluetree, they they have uh, IP protected the technology to selectively and physically reduce sugar from natural beverages or liquids or fluids. So they actually accomplish a successful uh, pilot here in Israel to produce uh, reduced sugar, tasty and reduced sugar oranges, uh, which leaves all the the goodies inside just with raw, the unwanted and unhealthy sugar. If everything goes well within one year, we will see them in the market. And there are also 
starting to be engaged with global companies and we have also um, a, a second uh, portfolio company pigmentium first of all all of, and this is a, a success story uh, in my in my uh, uh, mind um, all of our accomplished uh, incubation time companies there are three now all of them were further funded uh, for the next level so it's a success in the case of the incubator. In terms of companies, our second uh, portfolio company, uh, Pigmentum, they are uh, working in the field of uh, molecular farming. They're also funded and, and build their own facility, engage with a specific field and working with global companies as well. Third uh, portfolio companies, which is an enabling technology for the cultivated meat uh, industry, they are already also funded during the incubator period, but they are already engaged in work with most of the cultivated meat companies globally. They actually enhance the production and, and bring more proteins uh, per uh, production uh, uh, mass and uh, improve also the quality of the texture of the product. When we come to the the, the cost of things, uh, is designed food more expensive? So nowadays, it definitely is. We should reach about, I think, at least three orders of magnitude uh, in price in order to be affordable for the food sector of, or as a food. This is why I strongly believe in enabling technologies that will facilitate us to, to reach the price parity. If we look at different industries from the past, the internet, camera, imaging, uh, semiconductors, so on and so forth, there was a period of high pricing. Just imagine about 15, maybe 20 years ago, we used to go with the, those cameras and then have to, to select the photos that we want to print. And nowadays, every kid, small kids, have higher resolution camera and ability to, to create many pictures as he wants with his uh, cellular small camera. So I think with the time, we will figure it out. Well, let us uh, talk to one of your incubator, John Rathauser. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. As we have both you, John and Tammy in the studio, what, how did you met? So uh, Tommy and I were introduced through one of Tommy's other entrepreneurs uh, that's in the food tech incubator. Um, I was exploring an opportunity. I would say the partnership with Fresh Start is uh, essential for us. Um, this was the first company that Fresh Start uh, actually venture created. So that entire ecosystem, academia, industry, and the kind of innovation funding and support is essential for early stage entrepreneurship, especially on some more uh, hardcore technologies, heavy duty technologies that require time, 
to be developed and, and reach the market. Can you explain how augmented reality works today? Augmented reality is the first company in the food tech space to bring material science tools and match them with precision fermentation. We do that because we're interested in exploring the best sources of food functionality. We're going backwards in time and we're asking the question, were, was the egg really the best for the functionalities that we use it for, gelling, binding, foaming? Were dairy proteins really the best for the food functionalities that we use them for? Or were they pretty good at their jobs and convenient? They were in the backyard, they were scalable, we could you know, make large chicken coops and so on. Uh, we're now using technology to go backwards in time and ask that question and search other proteins that might be better. And if they're better, we're open-minded to producing them. Better can mean a lot of things. There are different needs in the food industry, but if we can use less of our protein to achieve equivalent gelling capability, that's interesting to us. Similarly, if we can uh, provide egg-like functionality, but not have the allergy associated with it, or if we can tailor it to have very specific uh, gelling temperatures and work in different pH uh, ranges, these are the types of solutions that we're able to create for our industry partners. Well, is it geared to a niche market like vegans? It's not, um, because the, the problems we, so we solve are multifaceted. Uh, on the one hand, 3% of the global population is allergic to eggs. And so that doesn't just mean 3% more can eat omelets. We're talking about every single product, and there are many, uh, that contain egg. And so we can have 3% growth on different product lines, product categories um, for, for many, many people around the world. We do solve the environmental and animal welfare considerations related to egg and other proteins. Um, but also we're helping food manufacturers meet consumer expectations around environmentally friendly, animal friendly alternatives without sacrificing the functionality that they require. Plant-based substitutes often lack some of the functionality we're looking for. They um, have room to improve on taste and texture. Um, we know that food manufacturers are open to that transition, but they can't give up on the functionality that their, their products require. So we want to provide that very technical solution to food and beverage manufacturers, help them make that transition without sacrificing on what their consumers expect from the product side. Are your products in the supermarkets yet? No, and, and it's not actually our plan. We want to uh, be the enabler of everybody else's ingredients. So we're B2B ingredients, helping the food and beverage manufacturers succeed with their products. So if we do a really good job, you may never know our name, uh, but it'll, it'll be in the products that you consume and help everybody else solve the challenges that they're facing. But it means a lot of uh, uh, collaboration when you work through the business-to-business -business, uh, chain. Yeah, I think that uh, it's in everybody's interest, right? We want to make sure we're delivering products that are wanted and needed. We want to be close to our customers to understand what are the challenges that they're facing. And similarly, uh, if we're just creating in a, a vacuum, we're not uh, helping the food manufacturers get closer to the solutions they need. So working together, we can share insights and work on new solutions um, that help everybody succeed in the markets they serve.
So where in the developments are you today uh, to reach uh, the market? Uh, what matters to us is, you know, solve a technical challenge, uh, be cost competitive, uh, help the food manufacturers on what they need. Um, and by technically being advanced and succeeding there, we'll have the impact that we're seeking. So the idea that um, the people need to know our name is less important to us. It's much more important that we solve real problems. And by getting in there for solving a problem, we're able to have the environmental, environmental and animal impact that we're seeking. In terms of where we're at, we're a pretty young company. We're about 18 months old. We are developing our first product, an egg and methylcellulose functional alternative, but also thinking about our next opportunities. What we really have is a technology platform capable of identifying novel sources of the fun functionality that we require, but these sources are actually better than the standards of today. And so we're looking ahead as well and thinking about what are our next products? Who else can we help uh, to address a problem with? Um, so that's where we are. Well, if you look at the, the question around uh, the price level and efficiency and circular economy and sustainability, what's uh, your product in related to this type of challenges? Yeah, so price is top of mind for us. Um, I think this was one of the big differentiators about this company compared to what I'm going to call some of the food tech 1.0 companies, uh, which in my mind were Let's make egg without the chicken, dairy without the cow, but they gave you exactly what you already knew and were familiar with, but they did so using a more sophisticated and expensive technology, fermentation, precision fermentation. Um, and so uh, that's good for the early consumers, the early adopters who are willing to pay more in order to have that environmental or an animal welfare impact that we're all seeking. Uh, but when we want to reach the mainstream, we need to be cost conscious. And so our approach is pursuing functional parity. Can we use less of our ingredient in order to achieve the same functionality that food manufacturers require? And in that way, because we're using less, be cost competitive, right? That's the, the equation that we believe in and believe is necessary in order for the use of these more expensive technologies to succeed. And so we're going at this totally differently. We don't want to give you egg proteins in the same way that you've always known them. We want to give you egg functionality. And we approach that with an open-mindedness about where that comes from. Um, so that, that's our approach. In terms of circular economy and sustainability, um, I can tell you all the people involved with this company are motivated by the best things. We're here because we want to have an impact. And yet it's also the combination of our experiences that has shown us we need to fit in the market. We need to be at a price point that people want in order to have that impact. So that, that's front of mind for us. Um, we're speaking with potential partners about can we use their waste as our input? Can they use our waste as their input to be a part of that circular economy? And we're getting excited about some opportunities there, but frankly, it is quite early for that. talk a lot about the climate crisis today and, and uh, what sort of impact uh, can you see 
behind the doors uh, when you develop the augmented reality? I don't want to overstate this. I think we're still too early in our development to you know, speak about specific numbers and what our impact will be. Um, there's a lot of great literature out there and statistics from organizations like the Good Food Institute um, that show massive reductions in terms of land use, water use, um, and, things, uh, and contributions to greenhouse gas emissions uh, using our technology. Um, however, for, our, for you know, our specific impact, we want to wait a little bit longer until we scale up our process even further and can speak to real numbers based on our process. When uh, we talk about the food system crisis, do you think that the technology can solve the current food system crisis? I think it has a lot of potential. I mean, there there are big uh, challenges ahead for all of us in the space, um, infrastructure being the most notable. But there are many examples of you know huge infrastructure businesses that when they began, everybody had these same exact uh, concerns and considerations. You know, whether it's gas stations and electric vehicles. There are many examples, and, and I think food is the same. We have a system that exists. It's been industrialized. It's economically very efficient, and it's got a lot of momentum for those reasons. Um, and yet, when we decide as a society that there's a better way, or when we start to properly uh, value the externalities that our current food, food system is contributing to, its carbon footprint and so on, um, then the economics start to change. and. Uh, there will be financial reasons to invest in the infrastructure, precision fermentation, scale up, uh, and so on, that our industry, the new industry, uh, requires. So uh, it is a question of scale and uh, infrastructure, but I think that as the traction and validation of what we're doing, not just our company, but the industry as a whole, uh, continues to build, investment will follow. Uh, they're very good at finding great financial opportunities. Uh, and what our job is as entrepreneurs and, and as an industry, it's to uh, highlight how um, this can be economical and uh, this is the right thing for various other reasons. So what are the biggest challenges for you? Scaling up is a challenge for everybody, finding the right uh, partners to do that with. Uh, thinking about our next opportunities, you know, we want to be very thoughtful, make sure that we're doing something that both has a great market opportunity and also has the impact that we're looking to have. Um, so no shortage of challenges, but uh, we do have the team to, to work at it and, and come up with creative solutions. You are passionate about addressing society's greatest challenges by combining social impact with business models that sustain and scale. Will we see more of this in your work in the future, Jon? Yeah, so right now I'm very focused on augmented reality and, and loving my work. Um, but yes, my brand is exactly as you stated, sitting at the intersection of social impact and using business models to sustain and scale that. Um, I've done this in the past with my first digital health company, uh, and I also helped to create a philanthropic giving platform um, and, and put business models behind these things because I really believe that's the best way to have an impact. 
Um, it's something I've learned through my past experiences, successes and failures. Yes, I've been fortunate until now uh, to be able to choose opportunities that really align with those values. And if it's up to me, I will continue to do these things. You can expect to see me uh, doing these things for a long time to come. And also a relationship with Tammy in the work to come. Tommy is one of a kind. Um, I learned from her. Uh, she's one of the most connected uh, people I've met. And so we have many more good years together with uh, augmented reality. And if and when uh, this is a big success and we move on to our next challenges, I'm sure she's going to be at the forefront of something interesting as well. So I look forward to following her and working with her again. Well, thank you, John and Tammy. Uh, it was great to have you in the program. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I'm Kai Embren. Follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn, where I will be announcing the future guests to this podcast. And you can expect about two programs a month and each guest has a unique story of making business and society sustainable. So find out more, visit my homepage, kaiembren.org. Thank you for listening.